We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast from the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman, and we have a couple of special guests today. We have Solomon Wilcox, who is a six-year NFL veteran. He played for the Bengals, Vikings, and Steelers. He's the host of the opening drive on Sirius XM. He hosts the Believe in Bengals podcast, and he's doing some work with uh, Vericell. And Melissa, who is a varicell patient with the Macy procedure, it's a knee cartilage repair procedure. They stop by, so it's it's the knee cartilage stuff is at the end. We talk a lot with Solomon Wilcots about the 49ers and Brock Purdy and what they should do at the quarterback position, how the NFC Championship game went down, what he thinks is going to happen in the Super Bowl. He talks about playing in the Super Bowl against the 49ers in '88. That was that was fun. Um, I've never actually thought to, it didn't ever click to me that Solomon Wilcox played on that Bengals team. So I've never gotten to ask him about it. Well, Chris asked him about it and uh, his answer talking about playing against Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and those guys is, is really cool. Also brings up Ronnie Lott and a cool Ronnie Lott story. So that's the fun conversation. But first we talk about Brandon Ayuk making some waves and I have a conundrum in regards to the Super Bowl that I need to run by Chris. We're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery. It's out there in Santa Rosa. Just got a new bar top and tabletops. Looks great in there. You can go watch the Super Bowl there. The vibes are always good. The beer is always great. It always got a good food truck out there for you. It's a really great place to hang out. So visit the brewery, Cooper's Brewing in Santa Rosa. And you can visit online at cooperagebrewing.com. If you're over 21, or 21 or over, I should say. You can be 21, but you have to be 21 or older. And in the state of California, you can order a case of beer. They'll ship it right to your front door. It's the single best way to acquire beer. And I say that every time, but I mean it. Every single time. So Cooper's Brewing, coopersbrewing.com. Let's talk football. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Brandon Ayuk had the audacity to tell Brad Graham of the SF Niners that he thinks the 49ers are the better team than the Eagles and that Philadelphia got lucky 
that the Niners quarterbacks got hurt. The gall of a professional athlete <laughs> to have confidence in his team. I have a couple of friends who are Eagles fans. I follow Eagles fans on Twitter. They're very upset with Brandon Ayuk for this. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> highly paid, highly competitive athletes, even if they're on a team that is obviously worse than the other team. And I'm not saying the Niners case. I'm just saying as an example, they are always going to bet on themselves because that's just like the level of self-confidence you have to have to even get to that point of your profession. Right. So like, right. Even when the Niners played, I don't know, Washington late in the season, if you were to ask Washington players early in the week, who the better team was, Washington players would just say us, we're going to win. We're better. Like you have to have that type of belief to just to be able to go into an NFL game, even against a vastly superior team and compete at, the NFL level or really any level when you get, you know, so yeah, Brandon Ayuk saying Eagles got lucky. Like it's a little surprising that he said it because we're so, we're so often hearing boilerplate answers right from, from athletes. And one thing that's a little bit nice is like once the season's over guys, let their hair down a little bit. And when they go on these podcasts, they'll say things that maybe are a little bit more inflammatory than they would say, like, before the game, because I guarantee you, Brandon, I didn't didn't say that or wouldn't say that before the game, because then it would be a big story and it would be bulletin board material like George Kittle said, we'll see how physical they're going to be or something to that extent. And that like pissed a lot of the Eagles defensive players off wild, which is, you know, but like if Brandon, I would have went in before the game and said, yeah, we're better. We're clearly the superior team then that would have like been all over ESPN it right. would have been on first take. It would have been on every website and Twitter and all that. So I don't know. Like this is things people say. It's so <laughs> dumb. Hey, remember when the, remember when the Rams got mad because George Kittle said their game was going to be a body bag game. Right. Yes. And they're like upset. It's like, well, man, it's just, it's, I mean, it's going to be a physical game. It's right. Bad. It's not right. a knock on you. And there, uh, a lot of times NFL people are like looking for things to get right. mad about so they can like give themselves an artificial edge, like mentally and coming in, you know, you like can, was it, was it Chris Jones or Frank Clark for the chiefs? It was like, nobody picked us doing it. Like nobody believes Frank in Clark. us thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like, you're the chiefs. <laughs> you are a super bowl favorite. Yeah, you the favorites. This is your third Super Bowl in four seasons, and like you guys have Patrick Mahomes. Like everyone thinks you're good. <laughs> you have a guy who is on track to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though that like I think that was probably in reaction to so many people picking the Bengals. Like the Bengals had a lot of that's true. A lot of hype going into that game. That's very true. They beat them I, three times in a row. Yeah, and I thought the I, I actually picked the Bengals too, but that oh, was you more didn't believe in the Chiefs. That <laughs> it was more a function of like, well, Pat Mahomes is a high ankle sprain, and that's like a four to six week injury, and he's just not missing exactly. time and playing through it. So that and Joe Burrow, like I, I'm a firm Joe Burrow believer. So mm -hmm. that that, but it wasn't like, oh, the Chiefs stink; they're washed. You know, that something was for it. Speaking of podcast appearances, something I didn't bring up in the intro that I want to bring up now. Did you see what Joe Montana said on Mike Silver's pod? The open mic. The Niners should bring back Jimmy because he's won him a bunch of games. He didn't even say bring him back. Mike was like, hey, what do the Niners do at quarterback? And he goes, start Jimmy. Like, start him? They gotta sign him first, dog. 
what? I mean, it very much. It very much felt like it that Joe just had zero idea what was going on. I don't get the sense that Joe is super locked in to the day to day conversation, and like Joe's not watching the all twenty two, and you know. I don't think Joe has a PFF account. <laughs> no, you know, like, so I get, uh, it's a very easy thing to say, like, Oh, you have all these question marks at quarterback, but you have Jimmy Garoppolo right there. And he's, you've won a bunch of games with them. And it's like, he sees Jimmy Garoppolo as an avatar for himself. Here's a guy who's I mean, won a I lot guess. and he's being replaced. Yeah. yeah. And he's still salty. That's true. I, yeah, that's true. Like in the sense of like Joe, dealt with getting replaced by Steve Young. I could see him sort of siding with the guy that's like, why are you replacing this guy? But yeah, I don't know. Shouts to Joe. You want to talk about you want to talk about you want to talk about athletes being wired differently mentally. That shit's 30 years old, Joe. You gotta let it go, my guy. <laughs> You've gotta let it go. Joe uh Joe's kids went to uh went to school in Santa Rosa. Didn't one of them go to Dale South? uh yeah in high school but the in middle school i was oh. uh yeah i used to see joe used to see joe kind of frequently in santa Rosa. You and joe i mean joe and i just, just hanging out yeah yep no doubt <laughs> yeah i he, he was at a de la salle game when they played my high school a million years ago and then one of his kids went to montana montana is that right? Montana State? Boy, I, yeah, you know what? I'm not Weaver? sure. Weaver no, State. One went, to, went to Notre Dame, right? Southern Utah? <laughs> I don't Did know. Go to Notre Let's Dame? stop uh, just naming random schools. Nate Montana? <laughs> I think that was his name. Nick. Nate Montana. N- Nick? I think so. Nate's the one that went to Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Oh, another one went to... Yeah, okay, Montana. Oh, good knowledge you. Back to West Virginia. I don't know. Anyways, good doesn't matter that. too much. Jimmy Garoppolo. The point here is Jimmy Garoppolo's likely good as gone. Unless Brock Purdy opts for the 12 year reconstruction surgery. 12 year, 12 months. Sorry. 12 months, <laughs> 12, one year, 12 months. That would be a wild elbow. See, like <laughs> he's going to either be out six years. months or 12 years. TBD. <laughs> 2035. We'll see you. He'll be slinging the pill. <laughs> yeah, he's out for 12 years, but he's going to be throwing it 10 years. <laughs> when he hits that 12-year mark, he's going to be ready to rock. <laughs> um, <sighs> no, but yeah, I don't. Jim, Jimmy's not coming back, dude. About- I don't think I don't legitimately. Even if even if this is the bigger deal, like like I think it was Dan Killian wrote a thing in the wrote a thing in the Chronicle saying that Kyle Shanahan wrote a better explanation about Jimmy Garoppolo than the kind of terse answer he gave. I kind of agree. But I don't think I do. He gave all the, like, Jimmy waxing poetic last year. And how do we know? How do we know? I'm not saying this is necessarily true. I'm not even saying I necessarily disagree with Ian Killian and apparently you. But how do we know that Kyle didn't go to shake Jimmy's hand at the end of the year and go, hey, let's keep in contact. And Jimmy gave him the bird and was like, nope. Like, this is done. Yeah. Go to hell. I would rather, I would rather sign as a backup in Indianapolis or Houston than have a job 
starting with this team? So I would say, given what I know about Jimmy and his personality, that that feels like a stretch. You know, like Jimmy was the guy who did come back and was like very humble about coming back and not. I don't know. How do how do you put it? He, he was like fine with coming back, even understanding that they drafted his replacement. Right. Like he well, didn't have a lot of options. Yeah. No, I know. But like he was. He he was a good sport about a lot of it. Like he was he, a professional throughout the whole thing. So like I would have a hard time believing that Jimmy's just like double birding his way out of Santa Clara. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. There were so many times he could have been a dick and he wasn't. Yeah. But man, after two years, if they go, hey, stay on the hook, just in case, like keep the door. Yeah, I, I mean, my thing is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him for slamming the door. Yeah, I don't really care all that much. Like, it doesn't. Kyle Shanahan, I think. <laughs> Good was, thing I brought it up. <laughs> no, no, no. no I, I'm just saying it doesn't. Like Kyle Shanahan was clearly not super juiced during that that season-ending press conference, right? Like, yeah. he was. He was very clearly, I think it sort of speaks to the fact that this loss maybe hurt him more than any of the other losses he's dealt with during his time with the 49ers, because at least like in 2019, all right, we got to the Super Bowl and we got outplayed in the fourth quarter, right? Or all right, we got to the NFC championship game and we just flat out got outplayed. This was like, they didn't even get an opportunity to to compete because they didn't have a quarterback who could throw the ball forward. Right. So like just crazy to think about. So, yeah, they were they played most of the NFC championship game with either a a fourth string quarterback by definition or a guy who literally cannot pass the ball forward because his UCL was obliterated. So that's what he was upset about because he thought he had a team that could win the Super Bowl. So I get all that. But I think the point here is like, man, Jimmy Garoppolo did you guys a solid was a good pro. You could be like, yeah, I mean, most likely Jimmy's not coming back, but look, we're never going to say never. This is the NFL. You guys have seen how things have gone the last couple of years. A lot of unexpected things can happen. We appreciate Jimmy's professionalism. Like chances are he's not going to be back, but we're not going to ever close that door completely like that. That's all he really had to say. Cause like, even if there's 0% chance that Jimmy's back, at least you're not burying him and you're giving him some sort of like public leverage in when he's a free agent. Right. Like, but by doing that, you're just kind of like, like Kyle just indirectly gate, like pushed Jimmy out the door instead of being, it felt very direct. Right. You were, but like, you know, like, okay, you came over, but if, but if he does, if, if he goes with the answer that you just gave, He's now every time he speaks this off season, it's like, yeah, hey Jimmy, hey, Jimmy. I guess. But like, here's my hey, thing. What about Jimmy? You came over to my house this weekend, right? We when I'll you left, confirm nor deny. When you left, we dapped up, said see you later, because we're friends. See ya. Imagine if I just pushed you out and was like, see, you, you're not coming back. Well, that would be weird because <laughs> we have a fr- we're a we have a. I think very good working relationship and we're friends. <laughs> You're in my wedding. If you just went, <laughs> if you went oh, freaking by, yeah, never come back. It would be jarring. 
It would be, yeah, but but the point here, that's what I'm saying, though, is like it's a little jarring that Shanahan was just like, nope, no chance. Like it, it, it wasn't it there. It wasn't like respectful of everything that had happened. And look, uh, again, I don't really care all that much. That's just like my read on it for him to be like, no, there's no chance Jim is coming back. It was basically the equivalent of like me to like our buddy Nate been like, all right, see you never, dude. <laughs> you know, that like that would be understandable. <laughs> I think about doing that with. Yeah. One, night at the Love museum too, one too many times. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, great film. Um. Anyway, that, so that's my read on it. And like, okay. It doesn't really matter ultimately because Jimmy's not coming back either way. But Shanahan could have been a little more like friendly about it, I think. Could have treated him with kitty gloves. Look, so many of these highly paid people in press conference situations flat out lie. <laughs> like they just do to make people sure. feel better, to make sure that to, sure. to have a certain facade to like we talked about Brandon Ayuk. Like before the Super Bowl, there's no way he's saying, "Yeah, we're gonna kick the we're gonna kick the Eagles' ass because we're a better team." So he's not gonna say that because no doubt it's his job to be like, "Yeah, we gotta talk with certain platitudes." And Shanahan just kind of ignored the platitudes. And I get it; we want our guys to be honest, but at the same time, if you're gonna be honest, like we're gonna comment if it's not a great sure. look for you to be like kicking your quarterback out the door after he came back when he didn't necessarily need to. So my my argument against that is he was very short and concise with every answer to quarterback questions. True. It was like, we're content. And no, I don't see us making a big move at quarterback or whatever he said. Like they were all, he didn't wax poetic about any quarterback related thing. It was very clear that they've gone, hey, it's going to be Trey and Brock and veteran A. Or and... they just didn't, they they wanted people off the scent that they're going to go to, uh, you know, go go make the pitch to Brady to come out of retirement. Say, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bro, if that happens after that photo he posted on Twitter today, I will be done with this podcast. I've seen way more of Tom Brady than I ever wanted to see. <laughs> Didn't need any of that in my life. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter. If you did, if you missed it, Tom Brady posted an underwear photo, and like a, a thirst trap, as as some would call it, as one as a as forty six year old men do. And <laughs> I saw a bunch of people posting screenshots that they blocked Tom Brady, and I was like, "Is this a bit? What did I miss?" And then the picture came across my timeline and I blocked Tom Brady. <laughs> Damn. So he's going to miss out on all those puns you fire off. Yeah. I'm Damn. sure he follows me from his burner, but <laughs> that's fair. No. Tough scene for Tom. Really, really tough. Okay. I have a conundrum and then let's get out of here. Yeah. Before the season. Okay. By the way, hold on. Nate just texted me. He's at the driving range. I told him I'd go meet him at the driving range. So. <laughs> Tell him to F off and see what happens. Let's let's experiment in real time. (laughs) Tell him you don't see any scenario where you show up at the driving range. (laughs) No. um, So before the season, I picked on September 8th, Blue Wire's Twitter account said, who's going to the Super Bowl? 
And I said, Eagles, Chiefs, Chiefs win. So I am most of the way home. Now, in watching these two teams and considering all the injury factors and knowing how I knowing what I know now about this matchup, I'm kind of leaning Eagles. Am I allowed to change my pick? I mean, I'm allowed to change my pick, but do I change my pick or do I ride out my preseason selection? Because while I think like, okay, Eagles defensive line is really good. I don't know how the Chiefs are going to get any kind of pass rush going. Eh, eh. While I do all that, I'm also like, eh, the Chiefs still have Patrick Mahomes, though. And Andy Reid on two weeks prep. Do you trust the Eagles to absolutely, like, Eagles down four, three minutes left, one timeout, biggest game of the season, the Super Bowl. Do you trust Jalen Hurts to march down the field and score a touchdown? Or, conversely, same situation, do you trust Pat Mahomes to march down the field and score a touchdown? Definitely trust Mahomes more than I trust Hurts, but I'm not I, ruling it out for Hurts. I'm picking the Chiefs for that reason. Okay. I just trust I just trust them more. Like it's I, I've got to ride out I've got to ride out my preseason pick. Yeah, I, you probably should. But like my thing is with this Whether game I bet on them TBD. Yeah. My thing is with this game, we've seen the Chiefs win so many games in so many different ways in terms of like they're leading, they're down. Like this is Mahomes third Super Bowl. Um, they've played in a lot of like crazy high leverage playoff games. This Eagles team got blown, got blown out in the first round of the playoffs last year by Tampa and then sort of skated through the playoffs this year for a Super Bowl team. They're relatively untested. And we went through it before the NFC championship game. Like who is this team beaten that you're like, damn, that was an awesome win. Like their body Mm -hmm. of work and the fact that they, went through the season the way they did really impressive. And they were obviously, they had the best season of any team in the NFC, like unquestionably, mm-hmm. but they, there was a sense or a feeling that I got. I was like, this seems kind of untested. And if they got in the ring with their equal in the 12th round, like what confidence do we have that they're going to win that game? Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is a completely different animal. Like Andy, right. a completely different animal. And this is, Um, this is just, you're going up against a team that has been there in a lot of these scenarios and that knows how to do it. I'm not saying the Eagles can't, but we haven't seen them do it. And eventually you have to, you have to do something and earn that trust before it's just given to you. Right. And the chiefs have earned that trust for me. Um, the Eagles have not. And so I'm picking the chiefs. Okay. I'll buy that. Thanks. I'm sticking with my pick. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm still, I'm still 2d, but. I think I'm sticking with it. It's good that we disagree from time to time. Hmm. <laughs> we go over our takes beforehand and make sure we agree. Yeah. <laughs> the most agreeable podcast. No, we're not going to do that. Okay. I have nothing else to say. Let's get to Solomon and Melissa. Really fun conversation about the Niners, the Super Bowl, a bunch of other stuff. Here they are. All right, Solomon and Melissa are here live from, you guys at Radio Row down there in Arizona? How's that going? It's hopping down here, Kyle. Cracking? It's uh, it's very good. Solomon, uh, I'm assuming you've been to some Radio Rows before. Melissa, is this your first Radio Row experience? This is my first time, and it is as good as you would imagine it being. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of people, a lot of people around, I'm sure. Um, Well, hey, uh, let's uh, let's start here. I want to get to what you guys are are doing with Macy, and, uh, and we'll get there for sure, but uh, Solomon, we talked to you last year doing some sports health stuff. How did you get 
just kind of involved in in this? Like, where did your interest in in sports, health, and science grow from? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. And working as a broadcaster for 25 years for great companies like ESPN, NFL Network, CBS Sports. And I've always had, as an athlete, the ability to take care of our bodies. We've had to trust doctors uh, to help us with our careers. You always hear of athletes going looking for a second and third opinion because you're making critical decisions that could impact your overall future and the health um, that you have for the future. And so I, I always had this really a distrusting um, sort of nature about me. So I began to learn more about science and about how to take better care of myself as an athlete and then as a, as a human. And so I got to work with a good friend of mine. Um, he talked about the work that we could do to really tell good stories and use our talents uh, to impact people, patients, right? And clients in a very positive way. And so we began to help with a, a clinical trial recruitment for Alzheimer's study. And we were able to drive enrollment and enroll 1,100 patients in 11 months. It was some of the most rewarding work, Kyle, that I had ever did. And then from then on, I was hooked. I became um, very passionate about helping companies to do some good to help people who are really struggling in their everyday lives with their overall health. Yeah, so I, this is a 49ers podcast, and so we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you 49ers questions. I think 49ers fans in particular are obviously going into this offseason looking at the quarterback position and now sort of the question marks that come with Brock Purdy needing surgery. They The Niners are saying they think it's going to be a six-month injury and recovery. Um, Solomon, from from where you stand and, and how you've observed the 49ers, what, how, what's your mindset in terms of, like, what do you think Kyle Shanahan should do or how he should approach it, knowing you have Brock Purdy and Trey Lance both coming off injuries? You have a little bit of, of uncertainty there. Like, are you just making Brock Purdy your starter once he's healthy, or do you think there needs to be some sort of competition with Lance? I think you go into the season with it being an open competition. Um, I think Brock Purdy will understand that. Nothing's going to be given. It all has to be earned. I think he's earned a right to play himself into the conversation. You and I both know this team had already made a decision uh, roughly two years ago when they gave up all those draft picks to move up to get Trey Lance. Um, I don't see anything that has happened that would force them to move off of that. Now, Trey Lance has to begin to be productive He's got to be able to stay on the field. And that's why this offseason, you're going to let both guys get a lot of work. Here's the good thing about this. They have two quarterbacks on rookie contracts, right? Uh, now Nick Bosa, you can go out and sign him. You can continue to build this team and keep the talent. Look, they've done some great things by adding a Christian McCaffrey. Can you keep Brandon Ayuk? I think having two quarterbacks on their rookie deal is going to help them to be able to do that. Now, they may add a third guy. What if Mike White became available? A guy who understands the system, who's shown he could be productive. I, I think they're gonna they gotta add a third guy anyway. So I think you continue to shop. I don't know that you have to overspend to have production at the quarterback position. Continue to develop the two young quarterbacks you currently have. A lot of what we talked about with the Niners is in the in the quarterback position has kind of been in the locker room. You know, Trey Lance went down. There was immediately a report that like the locker room was it felt like it was 49er football again with Jimmy Garoppolo back in. Does the fact that Brock Purdy comes in and in a game, every game that he was healthy and played, they won. If he's coming back from injury, let's say he comes back in the first couple of weeks of camp, but Trey Lance has supplanted him. 
Does the fact that he's coming back from injury affect the way his teammates kind of view that competition at all? No. I, you know what uh, impacts teammates? The way you're performing. The mm. way and, – and look, fans only see the performance in on game day. Teammates get to see performance every single day, every single practice, and that's performance now. Trust me, that weighs very heavily in what your teammates see and how you handle it. Um, every single situation. That's where leadership, the bonds of leadership for a quarterback really begins to take hold. And so I think fans have to keep in mind that you only see in the game days, that's big when it comes to production, but it is not the full picture. It's the everyday moments that lead up to games. That's how Jalen Hurts was able to win over his locker room to ultimately beat out a Carson Wentz, right? The players begin to believe in him before they ever saw him in a game just because of how he carried himself, the way that he was able to come to work and produce in meetings and in practice to be able to handle every single moment that was asked of him. That's what teammates pay attention to. Solomon, I'm curious because you have, uh, I, I think, a unique perspective given that you, I, th I think you played for the, the Bengals against the 49ers in, in the 88 Super Bowl. <laughs> Just what was that like? What what's it like going up up against Joe Montana and you know a, a Bill Walsh led offense as you know a, a player from a, from a defensive perspective? Look, it, it was it was what we would call the ultimate challenge. You're talking about a guy who grew up in Southern California. I grew up and played high school football in Riverside, California. But Ronnie Lott was a legend, right? In the Inland Empire, having gone to USC, grew up watching his career and guys like Marcus Allen and. I remember when I was coming out my senior year out of the University of Colorado, uh, myself and another one of my former high school teammates, we had went to USC. We got to have lunch with Ronnie Lott. And he he was such a great mentor. He talked to us about the mindset that you got to have coming into the NFL. As a rookie, going up against veteran players every single day in practice. And you got to understand, there's no greater leader our game has ever seen than Ronnie Lott. There's no player who's in, as intense, who's more intent on winning, than Ronnie Lott. So going up against that team, you know, I knew what we were in for. Um, you talk about Jerry Rice and Joe Montana, really one of the great teams our game had ever seen. Bill Walsh's career had began in, in Cincinnati uh, with Paul Brown. Uh, our head coach at the time, Sam Weiss, had been the offensive coordinator for the 49ers when they drafted Joe Montana. So he could tell us a lot about how that team was built and how um, how they were wired, how they would call plays, and what the mind of Bill Walsh wanted to accomplish. It was a short dink and dunk, horizontal stretch. It's about yards after the catch, so tackling's going to be at a premium. We knew every – if you look at the two of those years, the four Super Bowls the 49ers played in, two of them against the Bengals in 81 and in 88, they scored fewer points in those games than they did the other Super Bowls when they blew the competition away. They scored 40, 50 points. But we like to believe we were a good match for them. We like to believe we kept them from being an explosive offense. It was a great test. Now, they won both games, so we give them all the credit in the world. But we like to believe we were worthy opponents. We would like to be, believe those games came down to the final possession and final moments to which they end up winning. We give them a lot of credit. But we don't walk away feeling like, whoa, they were – they were somebody great, and they were so much better than us. That's not the way we, we viewed it at all. We give them all the respect in the world, but we really felt like we were on their level.
So it's kind of interesting you say that. So Brendan Ayuk came out and said recently on, uh, I think it was the SF Niners podcast, he said that the 49ers believed that they were better than the Eagles and that Philadelphia got lucky that the Niners were down both of their quarterbacks. Um, do you agree with that, that the Niners are the better team? So going into the game, and I think it's a re- really good question, going into the game, even though the 49ers are playing with their third-string quarterback, I always thought the 49ers, as they were sort of – these two teams were on a collision course, right? I always thought the Niners had what it took, that if anybody mm-hmm. could beat them, it was the Niners. And even though the Eagles went down the field, right down the field on that very first possession, scored a touchdown. Next three possessions, three and out. Another three and out. Christian McCaffrey arguably had the best run I've seen from a running back all season. Ran right through four tacklers like he was like this physical phenomenon. But he's a talent now in terms of his athleticism, his balance, his agility. So that tells you that toe-to-toe, that offensive line for the 49ers could match the defensive line and defensive front for the Eagles and vice versa. Their defensive front for the 49ers could stand up and go toe-to-toe with the Eagles offense. But when you lose Brock Purdy, then you get down to your fourth-string quarterback, and he gets hurt too? You can't play this game without a quarterback, guys. I don't know if you ever heard of that. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we now have the evidence, though. We'll we? write that down. We'll yeah, write that sure. down for sure. Yeah, Solomon, <laughs> I, I'm curious of what, what you think about the 49ers' defense and, and potentially the challenge of you know going through some turnover in the offseason because Jimmy Ward, a guy who played free safety at a pretty high level for them, switched to nickel corner. He's a free agent. He might not be back. Emmanuel Mosley is a guy who started for them towards ACL. Um, he's a free agent. Maybe he comes back on a one-year prove-it deal. But when it comes to fielding a defense that, and obviously chemistry and continuity is so important, that's losing its defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryan suit to the Houston Texans as their head coaching job. Just what's that, that challenge like as a defensive player going through all that upheaval? And how do you uh, what's the key to to maintaining that continuity amid all that change? I think the key is the marriage between one of my favorites as a player and now as a general manager and John Lynch with the offensive genius. And I look, I knew Mike Shanahan still. No, I, I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. Um, stay tuned because on Sirius XM Interfield Radio, we're going to do a whole offseason on Mike Shanahan. Um, it's It's our mission to get him into the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he deserves it. But the things that he taught his son, Kyle, the way that he stacked plays, the way that they layer what they do, I think the marriage between that kind of offense, what you get from Kyle Shanahan, and the mind defensively of how John Lynch views of how a team should be built and how a team should be played, I think that's what makes for the interesting and unique product that they've been able to build with the San Francisco 49ers. That's why they're good on both sides of the ball. That's why they're so efficient on both sides with their either side on any given Sunday can dominate and win the game for you. And so that means they're about player development also. So you're not going to be able to keep everyone. You can't pay everyone. So you better be able to draft, right? And you better be able to draft and develop. We've seen them do that at every single position. I would say the 49ers are probably the most impervious more than any other team in this league to to injury at the quarterback position. Think Mm. about all these other teams. I can tell you right now, Joe Burrow would have been knocked out middle of the year. You're not going to see the Bengals reaching it, you know, (laughs) 
making it to the title game, right? Right. Um, in the NFC, you're not going to see that. Maybe even with, um, say the the Kansas City Chiefs are good. Look at the two games without Jalen Hurts. What happened to the Eagles? Mm-hmm. They lost them both. This team yeah. can win. They've made the quarterback position. I don't want to say it's not meaningful, but they've showed you now they can win with a lot of different people. And it had been uh, sort of thought that without Jimmy G, Jimmy G always won, right? And without mm-hmm. him, they seem to lose. Not this year. Uh, if you can take Mr. Irrelevant and make him relevant, <laughs> I think that speaks for itself in terms of how they can grow players within their system on both sides of the ball. You guys are down there in Glendale. Let's talk about this game. Uh, we saw firsthand how good Philly is. Can the Chiefs knock off the Eagles? Look, I, I think they can. I Look, I think you would check all the boxes by position that the Eagles may have uh, the advantage, but not at quarterback. I don't think anybody's going to check the quarterback box. <laughs> look, hey, to much due respect to Jalen Hurts, but, I mean, that other guy is Patrick Mahomes. He's done a lot of great things in his very short career. With that said, I, I the tipping point for me goes towards – the um, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, right? A genius mm. coach given an extra week to prepare. is going to give you something a little bit different. So I think they, they can win in a lot of different ways. But look, the Eagles are formidable. Uh, Andy Reid has his, blue, his fingerprints all over this team. Help build it, right? The mm. culture that exists with the Philadelphia Eagles, the fingerprints of Andy Reid is all over that team as well. Mm. What if it was the Bengals? Would the <laughs> Bengals have been able to beat Philly? Yeah, I think the Bengals could beat Philly. Look, football is about this, finding a pathway to victory. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to do it. I mean, think about, I think a lot of people were saying, no way the Bengals can go into Buffalo and beat the Bills. Josh Allen is the ultimate weapon at quarterback. Found a way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got to understand, there's, as long as you can understand the pathway to win a game, it's like two boxers, right? There's sure. always a way to get the other guy on the canvas. <laughs> so, yeah. That's all you got to know. There's always a way to land a knockout. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, let's finish up. Melissa, why don't you tell us what you guys are doing with Macy? Um, I was reading through the sheet, and it sounds pretty unbelievable. Can uh, can you chat about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, Garcelle, while they pay me for my time, my story is completely my own. But the procedure is actually where they go in, they take your own cells and they harvest it and then they transplant it back into your knee um, for knee cartilage damage. Um, so I had I had it myself. Um, I'll be two years post-surgery in March. And, you know, I've, everyone's results vary, but I'm extremely pleased where I'm at. Like I can, you know, play sports again. I'm on my spin bike multiple times a week. I'm doing hip training again. Wow. Isn't that something that technology has come that far uh, when we have these kind of innovative procedures by Mm -hmm. Ferrocell and it's called the Macy procedure. You can go to www.macimacy.com to find a doctor in your area. If you have cartilage damage, this is the preferred treatment. Your insurance will cover it. This is the preferred treatment uh, to restore your knee from cartilage damage. We're finding more athletes are having the procedure done. And even for talented people like Melissa, she's a trained physical therapist. She's used to getting people back up on their feet. And she had to use this uh, procedure to get back up on her feet. And so she's an athlete. She's a mom. 
And uh, so she's my broadcast partner for the week here on Radio <laughs> Row. And so we're going around having fun telling people about football and about the innovative treatment that we call Macy, M-A-C-I dot com. Is it, ju- is it just the knee? It is just the knee. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Very good. And is that something that used to, that used to be like a different surgical procedure or did it used to be like once your knee cartilage was yeah, gone? Yeah, it was, it was like, so people would have what they call microfracture surgery. There, oh, okay. there was never any way to um, regenerate your tissue to replace lost cartilage, right? Mm. The microfracture procedure was a way to kind of um, prick the bone and it would bleed and it would turn into this hardened kind of calcium in there that give you some protection from being bone on bone, but it wasn't natural cartilage tissue. This is a regenerative process using your own stem cells, right? So they don't have to have a match. Um, and it's a way of restoring tissue to help uh, give you that smooth surface that you need. That's what cartilage is, right? So that your knee is not clicking, it's not sticking. So this is an innovative treatment that's been out there and FDA approved for over the last five years. Modern medicine is crazy. Phenomenal. It's unbelievable. Well, hey, uh, Melissa Solomon, really appreciate your time and uh, and all the info. Uh, super excited for Sunday. Should be an awesome game. Enjoy your time out in Glendale. Chris, Kyle, thank you for having us, guys. Take care. Thanks so thank much you. for joining us, guys. Appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.